Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we explore the big political stories of the moment. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. Previously on the Politics Weekly, we discussed the dilemma faced by our government following the ICC's issuing of an arrest warrant for the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, who is due to attend the BRICS summit here later in the year. Since then, the problem seems to have become more acute. Government is still scrambling for a solution as the clock ticks by. This week, the issue had boiled down to whether South Africa should leave the ICC, which is the International Criminal Court, or not. The broader question is whether our foreign policy has completely lost its way. That's the question with my guests. We'll try to answer this time on The Politics Weekly. Our guests are Professor Spaman Lazondi, who teaches politics and international relations at the University of Johannesburg, as well as Amanda Koza, who is the Sunday Times presidential correspondent. You asked Mr. Ramaphosa to sit down first. I'm standing. Now I warn you. I need to put on my big girl panties and keep going. You can't have two speakers standing at the same time. Security services of the Republic of South Africa, you may intervene. There's been several attempts on my life. Lower that hand. It's not the The president is accused of that? serious crimes. In order to pursue the greater good, you have to enable some people to eat a little bit. Corrupt people do not eat alone. They have a spider web. I now suspend the proceedings. I now suspend the proceedings. I have warned you. Let's start with you, Amanda, because you have been following and covering for us the story uh, of the last week. The ANC had, uh, on top of the ongoing controversy about what to do with the uh, the ICC warrant and uh, whether we, we should let uh, President Putin come here or not, or arrest him or not. Last week there was an, an NEC where the issue uh, was discussed, but it did not, one would have expected it to go smoothly with a clear line coming out of the NEC and, uh, by extension, out of the government. But uh, what, what do you think happened? Because there seems to be a lot of confusion. Hi, Bramaik. You are absolutely correct. From what we saw play out on television and the news last week is that everything was fine. You know, the ANC called us to a post-NEC briefing where they're going to tell us what they discussed uh, with the ANC leaders. And we know that the ICC was uh, on the agenda. And so when when the ANC's um, Secretary General Figil and Balula briefs the nation saying that South Africa has withdrawn from the ICC, I think everybody was just like gobsmacked. And, and, and so I, I, I'm not quite sure what the journalists were asking, but I know that the Namibian president was in the country and he was in the NEC. And so I think part of the response was about SWAPO and, you know, Namibia and this whole ICC thing. We know that when, when the Namibian president was in the country, he had very harsh words to say about how the ICC pressures African countries. And so at the same time, or just a few hours uh, apart, if not an hour apart, at the union building, the president is hosting the Finnish president and he's asked about this to say, Mr. President, um, we see or we hear on the news that uh, the ANC over the weekend resolved that we should withdraw from the ICC. 
And again, the president decides to trust his SG and he confirms the news saying, no, we've decided to to withdraw from the ICC. And so the nation is just like, oh, okay. But not long after that, on the same day, they decide that they're going to withdraw this. And it's not the case. Um, South Africa remains a signatory to the court. Uh, What we've decided is that we're going to um, amend the Rome Statute. We are going to uh, try and and, and push for a more fair fair process in implementing the law. Uh, Yeah, um, the the nation misheard us, basically. (laughs) And so to to answer your question, I would say I'm not sure where the lines were blurred because the president sat in that NEC meeting and so he, he made a decision to trust what Fili Mbalula said. He could have easily said, I, I, I wasn't at the briefing. Um, if that's what the SG said, all I can say is that we discussed the matter and this is what we discussed about, about the matter. He didn't have to confirm if it wasn't the truth. Um, that's all I can say about it. I'm not sure where the lines were crossed or where the miscommunication came in, but the president had a choice to tell the truth or take the confidence, take the country into the NEC meeting and say, yes, the matter was discussed, but this is what we discussed. Or he could have said, please go back to the ANCSG. You are diverting us from the state visit about, you know, Finland. Okay, well, while we on the on the party side, we will go to the government side shortly. Professor Zondi, how can it happen that a party that is that 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 has been dealing with this issue for a while or that should have been uh, seized with the issue for a while does not seem to have a party line? You would have thought that the ANC would have had a clear position given the Al-Bashir a scenario that played out earlier. It was a classic case in having a, a, a precedent to use in order to decide better and stronger and clearer for the future. But it created the, the communication or miscommunication that happened uh, both by the president and the secretary general of the, of the, of the ANC. Uh, both of them suggested that the ANC was in huge debate internally. Perhaps one of you arguing that you should pull out of the um, of the ICC and and for good as decided in 2017, or and another saying no no no, uh, we should stay in and argue uh, internally and and find other ways to deal with this as decided in 2022, uh, the 2022 conference, and therefore the ANC is cut between the 2017 decision and the 2022 decision. And the big difference between the two de- de- decisions is that the, the, the first decision had decided to cut off and therefore you don't have to deal with this matter again. They would not have had to deal with the, the team issue now. But the second one was a kind of a more nuanced one, which is about, no, no, you still need the ICC. You are very much part of the uh, calls for the creation of the ICC. Yes, it might be uh, conducting itself in in in, in in ways that creates a lot of concern, but it worked within it to uh, to push for positive change and push for reforms, just as we do with all international organizations. And then these whole positions seem not to have been resolved by the fact that the conference decided not to withdraw or to withdraw the withdrawal. So now what was happening, it seems to me that there was a withdrawal of a withdrawal to withdraw, which itself <laughs> was also withdrawn. When they when 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 they said no 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 um, the decision the, the, the idea that you will withdraw again uh, was an incorrect decision. 
But that, that is a, a huge communication debacle uh, for the ANC and for the country, by the way, uh, because the president spoke in a state function uh, and all that. But more than that, it is a huge strategy challenge for the ANC about how it strategizes, about how it deals with this very, very tricky matter. You know, that. The easiest way, as Umam Katini indicates, would have been done, would have been um, for, um, for, 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 for both uh, uh, leaders who simply have said that this matter uh, was received a lot of attention and that the, it's being processed right now and that we would work on it uh, up to the end. It was the simplest way mm. to put it, just to signal uh, to the world that you are looking at it, you are watching it, concerned about it, and then you will uh, resolve how to, to deal with it uh, over time. Mm. Uh, I think that was the best way to do that. But if you have overzealous leaders, you have overzealous to show that they are in control or they are in, taking in charge of it, there's every danger that you will over-communicate or under-communicate or miscommunicate. Mm. Amanda, do, do you agree with, with Professor Zondi? Yeah, I was actually going to ask to step in there because mm. um, as he's speaking, I'm getting energized to say <laughs> So um, I think he's absolutely correct in that what this tells us is at, at a glance or bird's eye view, it gives you insight into what happened at that NEC or how intensely debated the matter was. Um, and so while he's speaking, um, I'm just reminded of some of what the sources were telling us about how the matter was raised. And um, Minister Naledi Pando, although she's not an NEC member, was part of the people that presented that these are our options. This is where we are as the ANC. We really need to review whether we want to stay in the ICC or whether we need to leave. And so this matter was intensely debated. And what our sources told us was that there was no resolution on the matter. And so many of them were blaming Figil and Balula for misrepresenting the discussions that took place, saying, you know, that th we didn't say that. We said this is this is why we believe we should stay. This is the reason why we believe we should go. Um, okay, in between, what do we do? Um, while we review this. And so when he talks about overzealous uh, leadership and being seen to be in charge, I think ex that's exactly what happened. Maybe there was a slip of a tongue. I mean, in the newsroom, there was even a debate on whether did um, the SG understand what the, rescind the rescinding of the withdrawal means. You know, do they understand what they're talking about? And so I do think there was also... Uh, a slip of a tongue or overexcitement that led to the miscommunication, thus further confusing the nation and ultimately making a spectacle of South Africa on the international front. Mm -hmm. Professor Zondi, if, if we, we put on the head of, of government now, uh, from, from, for, for, for lay people, the, the the issue may seem to be, especially because of the noise that's going on, you know, among the commentariat, you know, the issue may seem may, may may look like a straightforward one of good versus bad to say, you know, for some people, for the West, you know, Putin is the criminal, is the bad guy, and South Africa must just make a choice, especially given our culture or our human rights, constitutional constitutionalism culture. Is it that simple that we just have to choose between good and bad? 
It, it, it isn't. It isn't. No matter of geopolitics globally is ever, ever, ever a black and white issue or a moral or immoral issue. It's about choosing the good uh, between the good and the bad guys. Quite often, it's choosing between the bad and bad guys. You know, they both bad, bad, and then it's choosing about choosing the least uh, morally conflicted position and choosing um, the least damaging position. And it's never simple. And, and therefore, when um, uh, the leader of the Democratic Alliance says in this way, choosing whether we go with a democracy or with a non-democracy, he's oversimplifying it. Because if you look at the questions of Ukraine, uh, we vote Ukraine and Russia as it is with all of that part, particular part of the world, what we call Euro-Asia. Uh, there are democracies there that are sometimes dictatorial, but they are democracies, and sometimes autocratic, and sometimes fragile, uh, sometimes dominated democracies, and stuff like that. And both Ukraine and, and, and Russia have this similar picture. So choosing one is not choosing democracy, and then choosing another is in choosing autocracy and stuff. So even in this particular case, whether you choose, uh, say, for example, to let Putin come to South Africa and, and not prosecute, or you choose um, uh, to arrest uh, uh, Putin, either of those two choices are the most unenviable choices, are the difficult choices, which are flawed in many ways. So what has been the tradition in South Africa uh, before with al-Bashir, before his last visit, was to uh, persuade, was the president directly to persuade al-Bashir and persuade other leaders of the AU that they would not, uh, would encourage that uh, uh, President Bashir send somebody else to, to take his position and, 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 and then, um, and then manage, uh, the having to avoid this, uh, uh, this, this huge dilemma. Um, so it, it seems to me in this particular case is to avoid the dilemma. That's the most important objective of the strategy, rather than a strategy which is to um, show moral re rectitude uh, because that will lead you to arresting or the decision uh, to show a complete independence, which could lead you to ignoring the, the ICC world. I think the best position is the is the best goal to pursue the strategy is to is to avoid a dilemma. Mm. Just coming back to you, Amanda, there there, there is a, a talk that if South Africa were to to arrest uh, President Putin, it it might lead to very serious international uh, ramifications. You know, people have spoken about like a declaration of war, etc. And I'd like to ask you first, and then Professor Zondi, whether this is just a idle talk, or or would would what sort of implications or complications would arise, and and whether they actually the the South African government would have their stomach to do such a thing. While the prof is talking, I'm just thinking about how I wonder if things would have been the same if we didn't have the Ukraine war. Because this comes at the back of us trying to explain ourselves to our friends and foes and partners around the world why we decided to take a neutral or non-aligned stance. All of that has 
even before you bring the ICC matter into this dilemma, we are already in a position where like, oh, we are need to trying to, you know, we, we it's like a tough juggling act that we're trying to do now. And so it also comes at the back where we've sent an envoy to the US to try and, you know, convince our the US that no, we, we're not condoning the war, but we're not going to condemn the war. But, you know, we just want a peaceful uh, resolution. At the same time, the ANC at its political level, is busy canvassing Russia, um, you know, trying to see how to please them. Um, and so the, the ramification or the, the it, it's, I don't know, he's right when he says it's like choosing between the bad and the bad. Um, I just feel like or see that there's going to be serious economic backlash or at the at, like the story we wrote this week about why we we're thinking of uh conducting the summit virtually and why uh there was this law in the US that was being debated that uh although it was it won't be passed i mean things like that the way maybe big powers can start to say well if you are pro russia or pro ukraine we will pull you know wheat or we will pull fertilizer or whatever, or we will not hire South Africans. It, it's a very difficult, it's a very, very difficult thing that we're facing at the moment. And it really needs a president that uh, needs to make a decision and stand by the decision and communicate the decision. And so in this whole saga, we are, we find ourselves with a president who doesn't take decisions. And so now it's like the blind leading the blind. Uh, uh, it's, uh, we, we are not sure uh, what's happening because our president is like a people pleaser and it's seen in the decisions and the way we are managing, uh, trying to please everybody. And sometimes it's not it's not the best for South Africa, but um, it's also not the right answer. Um, but I'm just saying that they will definitely, I don't know if there'll be a, a nuclear war. I don't think it will be that. I don't think Putin will take it that far away. He presses the button, but the ramifications are very serious. They are extremely serious for Africa. They are extremely serious for how South Africa is perceived internationally or globally. South Africa's voice at places like the G7, the G20. Um, so, yeah, it's very serious. The ramifications are incredibly serious. Mm. Hey, Prof, Prof Zondi, we reported, you know, in part, or, or rather, let me say, Amanda reported uh, over the weekend uh, in, in, in the paper that... Uh, that uh, the, the 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 government is toying with the idea of uh, hosting President Putin virtually. Do you see in the in the greater scheme of things uh, globally? Do you see him possibly agreeing to not come when the other presidents are present? Um, yes, the definitely the possibility of converting the entire summit into a virtual summit. Nobody comes. Uh, would would be an attractive option uh, to look at, just as the the idea of moving the summit, uh, of swapping our spaces with the next party. Uh, our the next party for us is Brazil, or oh, and then after that it's Russia. And um, we can always swap those spaces in the sequence of summits and say take the summits to Russia, uh, or take the summits to India or take the summit to China, who are never going to arrest, and they're not, they wouldn't, there wouldn't be any pressure on them to arrest. That, that's another option that could be there, which is simply to sh shift around the, the space 
simply understanding and empathizing with South Africa's dilemma in the sense, in the, in the fact that it has domesticated the Rome Statute establishing the ICC, unlike a few other countries. So it has demonstrated it very blindly in the sense that it has not made any provision for it to maneuver or any exceptions or any, it's simply just um, um, domesticated as it is. So there is that possibility and seems to me the, the going virtual is the most attractive one. The last three summits, two summits of the weeks were anyway online. So it, it, they could have an online one, uh, definitely. It would send a positive signal for South Africa in terms of strategy. If, because again, if the goal was to avert a crisis and a dilemma, a, a, an enigma, it, 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 it would be the best option. So all options you exercise depend on what your goal is. Mm. Uh, if your goal is to avoid a dilemma, then uh, you would have to change the form of the summit in order to avoid um, having Putin land in South Africa and then have to act on it or not act on it. What, what, what I, 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 I'm, I'm puzzled about, uh, Prof, and you've just uh, uh, touched on it uh, briefly. And other countries which are signatories uh, have have what one may call an exit clause that you've just uh, referred to now uh, on arresting sitting heads of state, etc. You know, why why did we not uh, include that? Is, is it naivety or carelessness or what? There, there, there we'll would have, have been a precedent of you know with other countries <laughs> doing that. We'd have to speculate about why it, it is. It, it is what we did that. Yeah, and I, but I do think that one of the definite reasons is naivety uh, and, and being ignorant about the situation and, and not calculating. Uh, if you notice the countries that calculated this were kind of an old this geopolitical game, and they could read through this, and then they could read to it that you're creating a structure that has an ability to undermine your immunity laws. So if you haven't that, and you are signing up to it, you have two options. Either you don't sign up to it, you demonstrate your extreme independence like the United States did, or you sign up to it but make provisions for your for yourself uh, to protect yourself, uh, uh, like Britain did and, and, and other countries did, uh, in order to, 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 to signal that they are committed, committed to this morally high position, uh, to this correct position, and, um, and, uh, and and but you don't want to um, inherit with it the dilemmas that come with it. Mm-hmm. Hey, Amanda, let, let me ask you this just quickly, you know, before we, we get to the end of our, of our conversation. The, the person who seems to have been missing in action during this week is uh, the Minister of uh, Foreign Relations, Naledi Pando. Where, where does that leave her? The, the, you know, the, the entire episode of this last week. How does she go to the UN and say, I'm speaking for South Africa? Or when other diplomats call her and say, well, what's, what's going on in your country? What, what does she say? Would she be, still be believable? I don't think so, especially since it's the head of state that went ahead and said these things. It's very difficult, um, even as they were trying to do a PR or crisis management last week, we were just discussing how, but it was the president that said that. Why then do you send the... Uh, 
the spokesperson to to say that to to correct everything i think she's in a very difficult position and knowing the character that she is um she's not one to mince her words um she's not one to mislead or if she believes in something she 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 says it like it is and so i also wonder as she sits there watching all of this unfolding what she's thinking um especially since she made the presentation in um the nec or was one of the people as well as she's also not part of the envoys that are sent out there it does make you question uh whether she's not trusted to communicate maybe his vision or uh the message um although she holds that position that very powerful position of being south africa's chief ambassador if i can put it um, like that globally um i'm i'm not sure hey it, it's a very difficult one for me to answer um you you look at things like how on friday the government comes out at the back of the crisis the communication blunder saying we've established an interministerial committee which will be headed by the deputy president again you are shifting responsibility or the matter now we must move or our our focus must move away from what the president said and what the anc said who are the people who are the chief spokespersons or people on the matter you are now shifting the matter to somebody else to manage or communicate um it's we'll see uh, how poor mashatile manages this uh, saga what we do know is that the interministerial committee is going to be meeting next week we know that the anc subcommittee on international relations is going to be finalizing its documents and all the work that they've been doing behind the scenes to the imc so that the anc together with the government have like some streamlined decision on the matter mm. where the minister is in all of this I cannot tell you 100%. Mm. Hey, prof, there's so many with so many fingers in the pie on this issue. There are interministerial things, there's the deputy president now, there's the president, there's Figilem Balula at the ANC and and all of that. How does this leave the foreign minister looking? <laughs> the the foreign minister has a very specific role to communicate what the president wants. and the foreign minister is the closest uh, minister to the president and um, would in the end uh, be advising everybody about the way to do they would take a clue from her that is guaranteed and uh, the ncnc took the clue uh, from her and then they had to decide uh, of course it's much more open but in the other structures like interministerial committee she, if she lays out and say these are the options where the international community would most likely uh, for follow for the line you know in government uh, in government affairs generally in the science of government um okay. when yeah, the decisions are clear and you know what okay. where you stand on a thing uh, you, you you take a decision uh, whoever is responsible to take but when you still need to test waters or when you still need you are not sure what to do you give it to a committee or a commission So co- committees and commission are a, a tool to allow you extended time to process a thing in your mind before you decide on it. So it's kind of like a longer process of decision making. It's still decision making. It's not indecision. It's a longer process of decision making where it is not very clear in your mind how you want to proceed. Um, and you should remember that the president is not even a foreign policy person. He's not even. global politics person pretty much in economy and domestic affairs person and you could understand why 
I would li like to ask the deputy president to chair that committee that must decide on, the, on this matter. But, uh, you know, but the, the ANC had already decided on the matter, and that I guess the decision to be made by the Ministerial Committee is how are we going to process the decisions of the NEC, which is not to withdraw, but rather to look into the domestication of the Rome, Rome Statute and, uh, and then to decide specifically how do we then avert the ICC uh, warrant dilemma because the ANC uh, seem not to have decided specifically on that matter, but left it to government uh, to decide how are they going to affect the dilemma. And and just lastly, from from your side, Prof, when you because the context in which we're discussing this is broadly our foreign policy. Has it lost its way, or is this how foreign policy goes? That it gets confused sometimes, and 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 us us lesser models don't fully don't always understand the machinations. Foreign policy by design is the, more, is the trickiest area of public policy. Uh, unlike many areas of, of, of public of public policy, this is the one where um, the dynamics today are never the same tomorrow. Um, and therefore, you have to think on your feet. And secondly, it's one, one area of public that is the most intellectually demanding because you have to think through things. You can't just decide. You have to think about if I take this route, how will others react? How will it affect? For example, if South Africa decides, for example, to push um, 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 Putin not to come, how will this affect the relationship between the two and the trade between the two? Or how would it affect uh, South Africa in Africa in relation to, to the Russian influence? If it if it decides not to, and it decides not to arrest Putin in South Africa, how would that affect the relationship with the EU? How would that affect the relationship with the, with the US? The, and, and and so on. And how you know how how does it mop up the, the, the implications of that? With every decision, we must think about the the the, the second third layer of implications for every decision, because mm. every decision triggers a, a chain of reactions that you must understand. So it, it's, a, it's an area of foreign policy that really need thinkers. Mm. The, the thinking part of public service is what is needed in foreign policy. And you would say, as things stand now, you are confident that we've got this thing, we're on top of matters? Challenges we face says, tells us that we need a lot, we have a lot of work to do in that area. We have to up the game. We have to improve this. And I can I can suspect that also because the president does not have an international relations advisor since December, uh, these things are coming at a time when his think tank on foreign policy is not there. Has to lean a lot more on the on the on the minister who also leans on the think tank around her, which is uh, for DTGs and a DG who's a foreign policy expert. Uh, so he has, she has to lean on those. And then at the ANC level, I have to lean on the, on the subcommittee made up of a mixture of people, some of them without, without foreign policy uh, uh, expertise. So it, it's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, and you, you really do need that, the strong thinking capacity about foreign policy within government general. The National Development Plan in Chapter 7 did indicate that South Africa needs to improve this a lot. Mm. This capacity, including the capacity to strategize, was the thinking capacity. And 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 lastly, Amanda, just just to go back uh, to you to 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 close for us, there, 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 there's there's this talk of uh, 
of reviewing uh, our engagement with the with the ICC uh, uh, protocols, you know, the the domestication to say maybe there needs to be a change, maybe change the law or something. Uh, how, what, what sort of agency do, do you think that we will be able to resolve all of these things before August? Um, when I spoke to the deputy chair, Obed um, Papela, the subcommittee deputy, the ANC, not the government, he says, because I said, what if you are not able to domesticate the law or the parliamentary process that's needed to take place takes longer than the time that you that you need because August is around the corner? And he said to me, there are other options, but he wasn't able to tell me what these other options are. And so when when I think about that together what, with the legal opinion that Durko has received, that uh, we have no other option to but to arrest a Putin because of the precedent that was sent um, was set by Al Bashir, I'm I'm not sure. Hey, I'm really not sure. But um, we had this discussion in the office this morning, and I think if there's political will, one thing I know about South Africa, if there is political will to do something, uh, we can use our majority in Parliament. We can do it. Um, yeah, it's just at the moment there's political, there's there's legal opinions being sought by government. There's legal opinions. There's a lot at play, and I'm just hoping that whatever we do will be legally sound. Mm. Um, and like the prof said, is that um, you can make a decision today, but it will affect us 50 years later. Um, so I just hope that whatever we do, all I know is that the government is trying to avoid a situation where South Africa is a spectacle like we were. And we don't want a situation where uh, organizations or political parties take us to court again. We don't even want a situation where it's about bricks, but all that's overshadowing all the meetings or, or the summit itself is questions about Putin. I think they're going to try all that they can to avoid a situation where all eyes are on something else instead of South Africa chairing mm. this summit. Okay. Uh, with my guests, uh, that's all the time we have on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly uh, for this week's uh, episode. And uh, I'd like to thank them very much. Uh, Professor Spamandla Zondi, who teaches politics and international relations at the University of Johannesburg, as well as Amanda Koza, who is the Sunday Times presidential correspondent. Uh, we appreciate your time. I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do stay safe, stay blessed, and let's do good for our country. <laughs>